And now we turn to this morning's scripture reading. Listen for God's voice as our friend Christopher shares with us these words from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 12. This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering, ill-clad, clad, being available to, own, to, to your own families. To this, and the lights will turn on, and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. When then, then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, uh, and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about others' people's sins. If you are generous, generous, generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. You sh- your shadowed lives, your, sh- your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks to be God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Reverend Christy Miller-White known around Court Street, usually as Pastor Christie. Often on Sunday mornings, you'll just hear my voice along with some pictures as we explore children's time together. But this morning, Pastor Jeremy asked me to share my call story, my journey to becoming an ordained clergy person. Now, I know it won't come as any great shock when I tell you I've got pictures. <laughs> so if you'll join me on this journey, as we look at the ways God called me to become a deacon in the United Methodist Church. If I'm honest, I'll tell you that my call started with my parents. I was born into a family as the firstborn. I was the girl who always did what her parents told her to, for the most part. But it's not really about me in this particular part of the journey. It's about the two people who raised me, who gave me my first understanding of theology, who helped me understand who God is and who God was calling me to be, both as a person and as a vocation. I should probably start by telling you a little bit about my parents. Many of you know my mother. She's pretty much what people would call a rock star. She was an educator who received Teacher of the Year more times than I can remember. She was always putting on plays at our local church or baking bread every morning. She wrote curriculum for school districts. She was pretty much amazing and still is to this day. There's really not much that my mother has set her mind to that she hasn't accomplished. But for most of that time, my father was by her side. 
He was busy building sets for all of her productions, taking pictures of his family, gardening because he was a farm boy at heart, building us elaborate but extremely stable tree houses. He was an accountant by trade, but he also did taxes as a ministry for those who couldn't afford an accountant. My dad was not an upfront personality type. In fact, I can't honestly remember any time that he was on stage with a microphone in his hand. Now, my parents taught me a lot about what it means to do ministry in different ways. My mom was in front and in charge of pretty much everything that I can recall growing up. But my dad showed me how to do ministry and how to live out your faith in quiet, more subtle ways. There's not much that my mother does that is subtle. She's an amazing, dynamic personality. But my dad was quiet. The things that he did in, the things that he did in life didn't require much fanfare. My mother didn't seek the fanfare, but intended to follow her. And I got to see these amazing people live out their faith and do ministry in very different ways. And that grounding, that foundation of learning who I am and who God calls me to be was such a blessing. Having faith formation strongly a part of our home very much was a building block and a catalyst for who I am today as an ordained minister. Let me share a story with you. A story that reminds me what faith in action looks like. A story that I didn't fully understand until I was an adult. It's a story about my dad. So I mentioned my dad was a quiet kind of personality, but he was also kind of a grumbly kind of personality. Now as an adult, I understand that his grumbly anger persona was more a reflection on how he felt about himself than a reflection on how he felt about the people around him. But as a kid, we don't understand those things. Sometimes my dad was a little bit scary when he'd be grumbly and angry. So it was one day, uh, one of those strange days in the life of a child, you know, take your kid to work day. And my dad worked downtown and we worked in a big, tall office building. And the parking was, you know, about four or five blocks away from where he worked. So I remember it was the end of the day. I was tired, probably cranky, was ready to go home. And it was hot. I grew up in Oklahoma, and when I say it was hot, it was over 100 degrees. And we're walking downtown where it's just solid sidewalk. But the sun is blazing down on us. And we passed a man who was experiencing homelessness and he didn't have much clothing on. And he was getting very, very sunburned. So my dad always stopped to talk to people, especially people that he thought would be overlooked. So we stopped, we started to chat with the gentleman. And the more we talked, my dad would ask him some questions. And um, 
I could tell my dad was concerned, and I wasn't sure why. So he wound up the conversation, we waved goodbye, and then the next thing I knew, we popped into a McDonald's that was in one of those downtown buildings. Now, when I was growing up, we didn't just run out and get fast food all the time. That just wasn't the way it was done. So I got super excited when my dad decided to go to McDonald's with us. So we stopped in and my dad let me get a hamburger or a Happy Meal. And he got an extra bag of food. Now, I'd seen my dad do this before, so I kind of guessed I knew what was happening. Sure enough, we went back to talk to our new friend. So another thing you need to understand about my dad was that he wore a shirt and a tie and pants every day of I can remember. And so to see my dad start to loosen his tie and take it off while we're talking with this gentleman, it was quite alarming because I didn't have a clue what was going on. So the next thing I knew, my dad had removed his dress shirt in the middle of the downtown sidewalk and was handing it to the guy saying, hey, buddy, you look about my size. You're getting a lot of sun in those arms and shoulders. Why don't you throw this on to keep yourself from getting sunburned and you have a blessed day. And we walked off. But I didn't really understand what compelled my dad to do that until I became an adult and started reflecting on that memory. I realized that in that moment, I saw what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ in action. I saw what it means to care for those who are in need. I saw what it means to show love. And this memory, this story that I tell of my dad has become a story of love, of the quiet accountant who always stopped to talk to people he thought might be overlooked. So all of us, whether we are talking about a call story to ordination or we're just talking about everyday life, have asked the question at one time or another, what am I supposed to do with my life? Well, our scripture prompted me to want to ask the question, what do you want me to do, God? What is it exactly you are calling us to do? As Christopher reminded us in our scripture reading this morning, in Isaiah, the prophet reminds the children of Israel exactly what God has called them to do. That we as children of God are called to break the patterns of injustice to free the oppressed, to share our food, to house those who are experiencing homelessness, to clothe those who are cold, to stop blaming people who have been victimized and gossiping about other shortcomings. And God even reminds us to care for our own families, to make sure we don't neglect the needs of those in our family to care for the needs of others. You may be thinking, Pastor Christy, we get that. We understand this scripture. It's basically the ethos of how Court Street United Methodist Church does ministry. I know, that's why I love serving alongside you. But for me, this passage is a great reminder that our ministries may be different 
They may not all look the same, but they're all things that God has called us to do. You see, even as a small child, I knew I wasn't called to be a lead pastor. I knew that preaching in front of people every Sunday was not where my gifts and talents lie. But I knew that God still called me to be set apart, to be doing unique ministry for God. But I didn't know what that would look like. Many moons ago, I started my ministry in children's ministries. I found the sacred space of sitting on the carpet squares and reading Bible stories and helping children ask I wonder questions to learn how faith can be applied to real life. I learned that that was a passion of mine, helping youth and children understand that they are deeply loved by God and that they can take the faith that they hear in church and at home and live it out in real and magnificent ways. But I didn't see that ordained ministry path in front of me until I stumbled into the United Methodist Church. And since 1996, the United Methodists have had a position that's clergy, that's ordained, that's called a deacon. And a deacon is called to different things, to unique things, but still things within the church. Most importantly, the role of the deacon is to bridge the church into the community and bring the needs of the community to the attention of the church. Our job is to equip and empower the church to do servant ministry in the community and in the lives around them. But it's also to get out into the community and discover where the real needs are, to listen to the people who are living amongst us, and to hear what needs to happen and what they need the church to do. So often we get ideas of how ministry should be, and we stop listening to the people we're doing ministry with. But that unique calling, the calling of a deacon, was what I finally understood was my calling. Now, it took me a while to get there. It's been a long journey. But when I finally understood what a deacon does, being called to word, to preaching, to service, to compassion and justice, I recognized that my life had been built and trained for just such a calling. If you've been around Court Street for very long, I'm sure you've seen your clergy people running around in robes and stoles. You may have noticed that the stole that I wear since ordination goes to the side and is not straight up and down like elder stoles. The reason is to show that the deacon is called to service, called to work. And you may not have worn stoles before, but let me tell you, they're not really easy to work in. So the deacon stole helps get it out of the way so we can do the work. The artwork that you see right now is a beautiful creation of Reverend Kristen Korstein. She's a friend of mine who was ordained at the same time that I was. The SPRC and Court Street family commissioned her to create a stole for me that embodies the work 
of a deacon. You can see the deacon in the stole with a child looking through a telescope. What you can't see is there's a long ribbon that goes all the way up the stole and at the very top, at the shoulder, is the star. It symbolizes the star that we talk about in the Christmas story that hung over Bethlehem to announce the arrival of Christ. I love the meaning and the thoughtfulness and the beauty of this stole. It's an amazing symbol of the work of a deacon. My story starts with my family and it continues with my family. Now my original family looks a little different my father's no longer with us. I've discovered that sometimes friends end up being family. So I don't know what your family looks like. I do know that we are all called as part of God's family to serve, to serve each other, to break the chains of oppression, to tear down the barriers of injustice. We are called to love one another, to share food and shelter. We are called to be our unique and gifted selves in the ministry of the kingdom. Now you may not be called to ordain ministry and that's fine, but you are called, you are equipped to do something meaningful in this world and to share the light and love of Christ all around us. It's not just the deacons and elders and the licensed local pastors. It's not just the music ministers or the youth directors. We are all called. You have some special ministry that you're passionate about. My prayer is that we can all find our calling. We can all understand how to be the hands and feet of Christ. It might not be flashy and showy. It might not be upfront kind of ministry. It can be the quiet kind, the kind that's behind the scenes. Whatever you're called to do, I pray that you have the strength to do it with your community of faith. And I often find that a song can wrap up a sermon better than my words ever can. So I invite you to sing along with me if you're comfortable and the words will be at the bottom of your screen. As we sing together the servant song found in the faith we sing, number 2222. Let's sing a few of these verses together. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. We are pilgrims on a journey. We're together on this road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. I will weep when you are weeping, when you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I will 
share your joy and sorrow till we have seen this journey through. Children of God, go forth with the knowledge that you were called to be love, to be kindness, to bring peace into the world as we all work to bring the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. <laughs>